Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 136 and this episode is also a two-parter both recorded at this year's c2e2 convention in chicago First, we have the return of the hardest working man in comics, self-publishing creator from Columbus, Ohio, Victor Dangers Jr. 
And then I talked with a comic book artist known recently for his work on the Elvira comics on Dynamite Entertainment and 12 Devils Dancing, Dave Acosta, from the Detroit area. During my chat with Dangerous, we talked about his recent Kickstarter campaign for his You Create Comics brand that was able to raise funds to bring innovative programming and pop cultural engagement to the classroom for 3,000 students in Central Ohio. And also how comics uplift the community and create a purpose for young creators. The next phase for his Vantage in-house productions publishing imprint and about being a mentor and much, much more. And after that, during my talk with Dave Acosta, we talk about working on the Elvira comics and what makes the Elvira character so timeless, along with the 12 Devils Dancing comic he did with writer Erica Schultz, who you remember from episode 124, and how he assesses his artistic style on each project. Before we get into the interview with Victor Dangerous Jr., um, I just want to just shed light on a horrible tragedy for the hip-hop community, and that is the, um, the murder of L.A.-based hip-hop artist Nipsey Hussle. Um, he was doing a, you know, he came from, he, he, he stayed in his neighborhood. He was doing things to uplift the community, and he got murdered outside of his own store um, on March 31st. And even if you don't listen to his music, he, you still heard of the things he was trying to do for his community. Um, and a lot of people in rap music don't necessarily go to the extent that he is gone. And he was, you know, he, he came from a rough background and he did a lot of, you know, and he was, he's still connected to the Crips gang, but that doesn't mean he, you know, he's a bad person or anything. He, he was definitely a great person and he was doing a lot for the community. He was, he was setting up programs for things that he didn't have when he was a kid, when he was younger, just, you know, setting up foundation, a foundation for the youth to uh you know make the make his community more you know viable more you know ha, you know get some money for his people you know and he was only 33 years old and before we get into this um the first inter interview um there's so many video clips you know you can go online you know just um, you know <laughs> search Nipsey Hustle, and there's a lot of great, you know, nuggets of knowledge he dropped. So I just picked one of them, one of many great. So I'm going to play, you know, a little uh, clip of some uh, of an interview that um, he, he recently did. I'm not sure, you know, what it was, what it was on, but, it, you know, he had some really good uh, nuggets of, um, of, of knowledge. And anytime, sort of anything, anytime something really hits the hip-hop community like that it really it really affects me um because it's been a big part of my life and you, you can just tell like how much you, you you see you can tell how much people you know love nipsey hustle um out there how you know people looked up to him and it's it's a huge loss for the hip hop community and for his um for his neighborhood for the city of Los Angeles 
and fuck it, the world. So, um, yeah, before we get into this interview with Victor Dangerous, I just want to drop this uh, little uh, clip from an interview with Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace. You're not going to get away with nothing in terms of the energy. You know what I mean? You might beat the, the camera or the police. They might not catch you for what you're doing, but the energy is always going to return to you. So when you when you just living in this in this cycle of being negative all day and just putting out negativity and, and that's the only energy you putting out, it's gonna return to you in different form than you put it out in. So I would just say, you know, master your energy. Do your best to master your energy and your and what you put out, you know, and um unless that's what you want. You know, because you you entitled to whatever you want to create, whatever experience you want to create for yourself. But if you're tired of that shit, adjust the energy. You know what I mean? As best you can, adjust, adjust what you wake up thinking and what you say, and then, lastly, what you do. And that's not an easy thing to do because it's, it's such a pressure in the, in the, in these areas to just go by the, the way things are. All right, we're here at CTE2 with the hardest working man in comic books. Say book. that, say that. Victor Dangerous Jr. How are you doing? Me. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm awesome, man. This is this is my first time at CTE2 and. I'm having a blast. Dude, it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? Right. This is, this is an amazing place. It's gorgeous space. Um, I mean, this is where the industry is today. Like, there's, there's no two ways about that. I feel like this venue has the space to have something like this. It might be a little bit, I guess it'll be uh, more hectic tomorrow, maybe, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, today is the, today's the light day. Yeah, today is the, the diet day. con day. Um, yeah. Tomorrow is full-fledged C2E2-ness. Like yeah. it's, I mean, this place is going to be packed, hard to move, but the energy is going to be crazy good. Crazy good. Right. Everybody seems cool here. Everybody's, you bump into someone, they're like, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's all respect and everybody understands that, you know, if you if you bump into someone, it's because you're actually looking at something amazing. Right. And not that you're trying to be rude. You know what I'm saying? Right, you're not you stuffing nobody's puma. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, I, I suck. I personally suck right now. It's my fault. And... You know, yeah, I, I'll make it up to you by buying you a book or something. Like that's that's the vibe here, man. It's such good stuff, such good stuff. What's been good with you, man? What 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 are you working oh on these God. days? You're okay. always working on a lot I of stuff. Damn, man, this, you don't get to be the hardest working man in comics by sitting on what used to be. Dirk, what's good, man? Beak, hello, sweetie. I'm sorry, I'm shouting out people in your interview. That's all good. So terrible and unprofessional, of me. No, that's uh, perfect. No, no. <laughs> so uh, right now we've got Vantage in House Phase Two launching here at this show which is kind of a return to, to things because in 2011, we actually premiered our very first book, The Samaritan Issue One premiered here. So to start Vantage In-House Phase Two here is kind of like this nice homegoing. So we've got uh, Never Too Late Number One, which is the, the beginning of the sequel to the very like critically acclaimed uh, The Trouble With Love series. And uh, I'm so proud of it. Harold Edge on, uh, is back on art and he's done a phenomenal job. Um, the growth in his storytelling and his art, his linear work, the dude is incredible. Like, I, I am so nervous that we're not going to get to finish this book before he gets picked up by Marvel or DC. <laughs> it is so real. Um, but he's, he's a phenomenal artist. Listen, if y'all need a storyteller, he is the guy. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you, you will not be The only thing you'll be mad at is that you didn't know about him sooner. Like, that's going to be your life. Um, Colors by Juan Cho, fantastic uh, color uh, colorist uh, out of Spain, if I'm not believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
he he's brought some really incredible life to to Harold's line work. It's beautiful. The the shading of it is so great. And the story, of course, uh, for anyone that knows what the trouble with love is all about, uh, Apex Prime, uh, essentially archetype of Superman, uh, has a wife and a family, falls in love with someone else, and years later, his son is bringing him to task on why he left, and he has to basically explain how human he is to someone who should fully understand. And uh, in Never Too Late, he's trying to fix some of the mistakes that he made in the past. Right. And it's at great risk, great cost, but like great story you know what i mean like it's, it's good stuff so that's that's where i am on the publishing front right now um but the biggest news dude i just wrapped up a uh, kickstarter campaign for my you create comics line yeah. where i will be getting uh uh programming content for three thousand students in my hometown in oh that's Columbus, awesome Ohio. that's awesome dude i am so excited about it the notion of kids creating comics finding a passion about it like it is the best thing in the world it really is how does it how does it feel to like after all these years of publishing doing comic to be able to help the children like that Dude I mean it's it's there's there's like joy and there's pride and then there's this you know what I'm saying like it's not even um like we did our first presentation uh, on Tuesday and uh, it was like up to 200 kids at a at an elementary school and to see their energy it wasn't even about what I did it was being able to witness where they are. And that was the cool part. It was like, I put on a concert, but I was so excited <laughs> because they knew the lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it was cool, you know? Right. And, and I, yeah, to, to be in this spot and to be blessed with a position to have these ideas to go back and help those that were, you know, are, are from the same area that I'm from and might have the same interests that I have, there's nothing better than that, truly. What do you feel like you did over the years to be able to put you in that position to be able to help that many kids? Ooh, I didn't quit. You know what I mean? Um, I looked at things and said, you know, I can do this. You know, there was nothing that I looked at and said that this is out of my reach, that I'm not qualified to do. Um, if I'm not qualified to do it now, I got to learn to figure it out. And I will learn to figure it out. Um, I'm going to I'm going to put myself in a position that can be influential without being disrespectful to anybody else that came before me, to anyone that's coming under me. Um, I want to encourage across the board what everyone can do. So this is just an extension of what I'm saying is my motto to begin with. How do I affect positively what other people get to experience? And for this one, it was it's just a matter of, again, putting in that hard work, never quitting, you know, ups, downs, doesn't matter finding a way to say that someone else could benefit from my struggle so let me let me go through this and 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 celebrate having this successful kickstarter to be able to fund all this artistic stuff for kids right you know is you know are you working in conjunction with anybody what's your place where's where's that Where's your input? What's everything that you've been able to create? What is, how does it fit into the grand scheme of oh, things man. In, uh, your, in your hometown? That's a great question. Um, the thing is, it's kind of the, the reason for it. I'm the guy that, as, as, as hard as I've been working and as well-known as I might be, um, it's not in my hometown. And so it really is a matter of me trying to build that foothold in my hometown and really try to find those people that I can work with to make that impact where I live. So I'm starting with Columbus City Schools. I'm a graduate of Columbus City Schools. And so I'm basically starting where I began. 
And I figure that's the smartest way for me to do something worthwhile, impactful, and, and uh, will ultimately mean the most because I get to show them what they could do if they you know, have the same mindset, if they have the same tenacity, if they have the same ambition. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's really it. Like it's all Vantage in-house material. Uh, the You Create line is all things that I've come up with. Um, the, the, the biggest partner that I have in that is uh, Page by Page Copies and Finishing, which is the, the printer that I use. Uh, shout out to Brian Dalton um, for, again, being like myself, building a business and really kind of, um, you know, building it from the ground up to impact, uh, you know, highly successfully other independent creators, you know. So, you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's me, you know, <laughs> putting myself out there, putting my work out there. Um, you know, if anybody wants to join that train, I am all for it. There's a lot of creators that have definitely supported. Um, and I, I would like to find more ways to include them on these projects. But so far, it's just been me. Um, just because I, I can now maintain, you know, a little bit more, um, uh, I don't want to say control, but I, I'll know more of what we'll need to do later to bring in other people. So I get to control the experience. That's what I'll say. Before doing this Kickstarter, yeah. what was the status of arts in the school or in the community in uh, that area? You know, when you have like, you have like Ohio State in the area, right? but like what is the ground level sort of status like the presence of arts in the schools and in the community. Ironically, Columbus is very art focused. Um, there's a uh, campaigns like Art Makes Columbus that are popping. Um, we do have like the Columbus College of Art and Design, which is a great art school. But at the same time, Columbus is a big little town, so it's so it's so much stuff, but it's splintered. So not everybody works together. Not everybody talks to each other. Right. So you're going to have factions of people that are that should be in the same lane, but don't interact or talk to each other at all, if ever. And it's a it's kind of a messed up thing, um, you know, to me. Where what I'm aiming for is a sense of unity. You yeah. know? So I'm taking young black kids that are growing up in the urban community that don't know that it's okay to be a geek. You know. Um, they think that that's uncool. Well, right. I'm showing you that it absolutely is cool, and it can also be lucrative. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build bridges um, as opposed to uh, keep things separated. You know, while we do have a great base for art, too many times it's if you like this particular art and this particular thing, here's your market. If you don't like this, then we don't know what to do to help you. So, um, it's it's yeah, it's really about trying to build and bridge, you know, gaps across the across the whole art spectrum. And you kind of touched, touched upon it, but what is sort of the effect that whatever's going on within arts in Columbus has mm -hmm. on the, the younger students? And what sort of demographic is that in, in, in Columbus these days? Um, it's, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of things because based on your affluency level, honestly, yeah. you'll get a lot more um, entrance to a lot of different art things, um, whether that's plays, dance, uh, visual art, you'll get a lot more entrance into it in schools. Uh, you know, the more wealthy districts have um, a lot more programming that, that's dedicated and, and uh, devoted to developing skills. You know, right. like my sons actually go to um, Hilliard City Schools. Their mom moved out there uh, two years ago and it is arguably and honestly a better school district. So they went with their mom, and my son's high school has like a 3D printing, you know, department in his school. That's not common in Columbus City Schools. You know what I mean? Right. So 
it's it's things like that where there's that separation and unfortunately the schools that need the most uh influence have the least resources right and and that's honestly why i'm doing what i'm doing you know they don't they don't have it you know um some schools don't have a set art teacher there's like one art teacher that <laughs> floats around through like three four five six schools so there's no dedicated you know time for art right maybe they get it once a week um it's not consistent um anything can happen and throws the whole game off so there there is an incredible lack um unfortunately as it has been in vogue for a while um Schools, school systems, districts, and, and whatnot aren't finding the arts as prevalent or as necessary. Right. And that the furthest could be the true. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's they, they need art. They need that outlet. You right. know, you think that kid is wilding out in class. Sometimes they just need a piece of paper and a pencil, mm -hmm. and it would be a totally different situation, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix of those things. Yeah, you mentioned about, you know, showing that to, you know, young black kids mm -hmm. that – you know, the arts can be cool and lucrative. Yes. Is there, especially even the, in the more affluent schools, is there a presence of black mentors at these schools or a black population at these schools? Lots of black population, um, and there are quite a few black mentors. The only thing is that there's never too many, you know? Um, so many different voices can, can lend their, their experience to the equation. Um, so just because I'm in a particular space, I encourage other creators um, to, to jump in there and, and share their experience because their experience is going to be different than mine. Right. You right. know, um, my brother, Mike Watson, he's doing programs uh, with schools that are right in line with what I'm doing, but we're not competing. You know, we work together. I'll supply him with stuff. He'll, he'll bring me in to talk. Um, we found a way that by even living in the same space, we're not competing, we're just sharpening the steel that yeah. we use to execute with. So again, we definitely have some, some very phenomenal um, black mentors that are active in the, in the community, um, but we could always use more, always. What does it mean to you to be a mentor? Um, it's literally giving someone an opportunity that I didn't have myself, um, sharing my cookbook. Uh, there are things that I've learned and there are things that I wish I knew sooner rather than later. Right. And being willing to share those things. Um, because, again, steel sharpens steel. So if I give it to you earlier, ideally speaking, you'll master it before I ever did. And what you do with it will inspire me in turn. And it will keep me motivated to, you know, understand what I'm doing a little bit more or to explore it a little harder, um, do something different with it, and, and try something phenomenal. Right. So, you know, that's the whole point is – Get, get these kids out here to take things to a new level so that I can go to a new level. You know, I only know what I know, and they'll show me what I don't, you know, and, and vice versa. I'll show them what they don't know, and they'll take that to a new level. So, um, yeah, being a mentor is all about, you know, making that impact. What's your next goal with that? Um, after this Kickstarter, um, having impacted my local community, uh, I do kind of want to take some things on the road a little bit. Um, there are a lot of people that reach out to me and say, oh, my kid would love this. You know, I'm not in your school district. I'm not in your city. I'm not in your state. But, you know, my kid would, would you know, kill for this. So to hear the audience and take it on the road and give them what they need, you know, that's my, that's my next plan. Right. This new phase of Vantage in-house. Yeah. How does it feel different than the first time around, you know, mm. when you first launched everything? Mm. What's the energy like, you know? The energy is different because when I first launched Vantage In-House, these were all separated stories with no uh, connection other than the fact that I'm the guy that wrote it. 
These, uh, for Vantage Phase 2, it's actually a cohesive shared multiverse. And I found ways to bridge those original stories together and build something that's all connected. And with Phase 2, I'm literally showing you the connections. So I feel both uber scared to do this <laughs> because there's people that love this work and now I'm trying to go back to the well. And so there's a lot of expectation. There's a bar that I've set, um, a huge standard that I've got to maintain. So that's scary on one level. But at the same time, I now have this map to follow, both in my own creative um, you know, experience as well as what I'm trying to build. And it, there's a comfort there. Right. So it's a, it's a weird, vacillating feeling of, oh, my God, am I crazy? And then, no, I, I'm not. I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. So... Yeah, it's 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 still fun. Um, I definitely feel like that fear is necessary because if this was just something so easy that I'm like meh, then I shouldn't do it. You know, <laughs> right. um, the fear factor is important. So uh, I'm very happy with the fact that it's this this wave of yes, 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 no, 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 yes, 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 yes. It, <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. How do you sort of? Um explain your vision for this to the people that you're collaborating with. Ooh. Um, I give them copies of books, and I'm like, read this. What do you think of this? What if this went here? What if you were the one who helped me do it? You know, <laughs> it's, it's all about building. You know, I, I like telling stories, and I'm guilty of, like, kind of inflating my script writing because I'm trying to tell the artist the story. And my biggest thing for them is, like, look, what I'm giving you is not a blueprint that you have to follow. I'm trying right. to suggest to you what I see in my head, but it has to be your vision as well. And I'm just trying to tell you the story to get you inspired and enthused about what we're doing. So if you, if you can feel that energy and go with it, awesome. If you want to go in a totally different direction, even better if it works for what we're trying to do. So it's all about, you know, building that, that interest, always. <laughs> right. This universe that you're, you're creating, yeah. how does that sort of parallel society today? Ooh, snap. There's a lot of things that are ripped from the headlines, of course. Um, I've got characters that are socially going to fit into demographics that people wouldn't expect. Um, and I think that it's important to have representation that's genuine. Um, I'm not doing things to just kind of, you know, nick off a, a, hey, I've got this type of character or, you know, any sort of quota type right, thing. Right. Um, it fits into the story um, on every level, even if it's a matter of, like, there are things that I that I know about characters that I've not stated in the stories because it was irrelevant to the story I was telling. Right. But it's gonna be, you know, matters like this. Like I was literally just talking about the whole J.K. Rowling thing and how, you know, there are a lot of people that are upset about her statements of representation, but not the showcase of representation. And me kind of, you know, treading a line that could be similar, but for what I think is a good reason. So like sometimes you got to just let like the reader kind of fill in the blanks. Exactly. exactly. You can't you can't force feed every little it's thing. It's not good for you, yeah. you know? It's kind of like The Matrix. The Matrix is a movie that we love for 20 years because there's still stuff that that the Wachowskis have never come out and said, "Yes, you're right" or "No, you're wrong." And so they just let it be and if you love it, you love it. If you don't, you don't. And that's okay. Getting back to sort of like that idea of the idea of you know, showing young black kids mm -hmm. that it can be cool to be a part of all of this. You know, and as a uh, a black man who is a part of you know the hardest working man yeah, in, in comic that's books, right. that's right. Like, what do you feel your your role is for that representation? 
so, whether you're publishing or in your stories. That's a that's a really good one because um, a black creator is what I am. It's not who I am, right. and it took me a long time to be comfortable with that designation and determination. Um, I always felt like as a black creator, it would be expected of me to make black specific content, and I never wanted to just do that. Like. Um, I didn't want to make things that couldn't appeal to other readers or wouldn't feature other demographics or, or age groups or things like that. And I always felt like that set me apart from the black comic community um, in a lot of ways, but it doesn't have to. Um, there are books that I have, like the book The Samaritan um, could definitely fit the, the quote-unquote black comics demographic easily. Um, and it's okay for other books to not do so. And that's the thing that I'm also trying to show these kids. Um, you, you don't have to just speak with a particular voice because honestly, I think like that's part of the problem with hip hop music is so many times the street life was something that earlier artists were speaking of because it's what they knew. Right. Younger people heard it as glorification, decided that that's what they had to do in right. order to get into hip hop. No, that's not true at all. Um, yeah, they were talking about other people, you know, right. that they saw, you know. And it was, they were dressing like Rakim, Eric B. and Rakim were dressing like the dope dealers. Yes, <laughs> yes, because they thought that those guys were cool, right. but they didn't, they didn't sell drugs right. in order to do it, you know. And so what I'm trying to showcase is, you know, you don't have to be from a particular background to speak about something else. You could have grown up in the, in the grittiest of streets and write highbrow fantasy. Where you know it's elves and and uh, you know hobbits that are running around, man. Like right. it's it's okay. You don't have to to look like the characters that you're writing about. Um, they don't have to have the same gender as you. Um, I would love to see a progressive um, urban youth, like young black male, grown up in the streets, to write a Twilight style fantasy, you know, piece right. from a young girl's perspective. Why not? You can definitely do it. You know, and and those are the things that I'm trying to showcase and share that, again, you don't have to be of a particular background to speak with a voice or to an audience. Just don't try to speak for somebody. Right. Then you're wide open. So, yeah, that's what I take as that responsibility factor. Um, and I and I quote Spider-Man about it. You know, with great power comes great responsibility, which is probably one of the most recognized catchphrases in all of comics. It's actually a distillment of W.E.B. Du Bois' uh, Talented Tim. And so it's it's basically black philosophy, but told in a way that everyone can get. Right. So <laughs> here is here is this white character promoting black philosophy, and no one's gonna bat an eye about it because it's told in a way that's authentic and cool. There you go. Same thing. All right. It's been great talking with you. Any final thoughts? Um, I love you. You are awesome. Uh, the spotlight that you put on creators is phenomenal, and you need to be applauded more often than you ever should, you know. Like, if you ever have any doubts, kill all that noise because you are a fantastic dude, man. Seriously. Thank you, man. Thank you. It means a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was my interview with Victor Dangerous Jr., recorded from the C2E2 convention in Chicago this year. He's such a great guy, and he's doing so much for his own community. Plus, he gives back so much to the comic book community as a whole also. So it's Always just great to like pick his brain, see what he's up to. Definitely go support Victor Dangerich. Um, you can always go to the show notes for this episode at freshthepodcast.com, and there'll be all the links to where you can follow him online. All right, let's get into the interview now with Dave Acosta. 
And sitting next to me is Dave Acosta. What's up, man? How has C2E2 been for you thus far? Uh, C2E2 is my favorite show um, by far. I love Chicago, and uh, the crowds here are awesome, and everybody's like, it's not just about the pop culture stuff. Like, serious, hardcore comic people, you know, art people show up, and uh, it's just uh, amazing. I love it. What do people come up to you and talk about during the conventions like this? Well, right now it's uh, mainly about Elvira. I'm drawing an Elvira comic for Dynamite. And uh, so, yeah, so a lot of Elvira fans want to come up and check out the art and stuff and just chit-chat. And uh, so that's super cool. Um, yeah, so that's it mainly, just, you know, people into the comic art. Yeah, I love the Elvira uh, comic book. It your uh, work is very great on there. I love it. Uh, How did you get involved in doing that project? Uh, I've worked with Dynamite for a while, and um, I, I'm usually paired up with uh, a writer named David Avalone. We've done uh, The Shadow together. We did Doc Savage together. So we're always, like, first choice for whatever new project is. Uh, Dynamite knows that David wants to work with me, so... I got wind that he was putting together an Elvira pitch, and I said, oh man, because I'm a huge fan. So I'm like, you better put my name right underneath yours on that pitch. And uh, so thankfully, yeah, Dynamite went with it, and uh, they announced it last year at C2E2. Um, and I'm just stoked. It's uh, a total dream gig, because I've been an Elvira fan since I was, you know, eight years old. And uh, it's also like a horror comedy uh, which is awesome to get to draw. I never thought that I would get to draw so much horror in comics. You think superheroes or sci-fi or something, but I've been very fortunate uh, because that's like where my passion is, and to add like a comedic element to it is just even better. What was your sort of thought process going into what you wanted to do um, artistically for this comic? You know, I knew it was going to be funny, so. Uh, I wanted to do a less rendered style on the figures. I went back to old, like, 60s humor comics that DC used to do, like uh, Jerry Lewis, Bob Hope, uh, Angel and the Ape. And the artist on that uh, Bob o is a guy named Bob Oxner, who is, like, one of my all-time favorites. And it's a super clean, kind of cartoony style, but the figures are still very realistic, you know. Uh, so... When uh, Avalone was putting the pitch together, he was still trying to kind of get a, a handle on what the tone was going to be. Was it just going to be horror, adventure, or whatever? So I sent him all this old 60s com humor book stuff. I go, it's got to be like this, you know, like Bob Oxner, Angel and the Ape. So that kind of unlocked it for him. And he was able to, like, oh, yeah, it's a comedy. Elvira can talk to the audience just like she does on her show. You know, and it can just be ridiculous and doesn't really need to logically makes sense uh, so so I did adjust my style because I I did do a lot of horror stuff before and I kind of had a visceral style so I wanted to just lighten it up with the figures a little bit the backgrounds are still actually my point of reference is Scooby-Doo <laughs> you ever remember Scooby-Doo had like the best backgrounds super scary swamps and castles and stuff and uh, haunted amusement parks. So I'm doing with clean figures like that, but with the Scooby-Doo backgrounds. What's been your like favorite part of doing the Elvira comic book? Um, you know, just uh, working with Avalone and uh, 
just getting to draw just the wildest stuff because we have Dracula in there. We've got Edgar Allan Poe in there. We got Mary Shelley in there. And then in issue four, she goes to the set of what, for legal reasons, we can't say is Bride of Frankenstein, but a, a film very similar. So I get to draw, you know, Frankenstein's monster, the bride. It's just the stuff that David gives me is just unbelievable. And I'm just like, this is my dream gig. I can't believe it. Yeah. You also, uh, you know, I did um, 12 uh, Devils Dancing with Erica Schultz. Right. Yeah, um, I've had her on the podcast before. I really enjoyed that story. Um, you know, what was your sort of idea going into what you wanted to do uh, with that book? That one, I wanted to keep it um, very much grounded in reality. It's not, it's a serial killer thriller, but it's not a supernatural horror. So I wanted to make it look like Silence of the Lambs. You know, the people wear regular clothes. The angles aren't super flashy and dramatic. The layouts are very squared off, not fancy, you know, stuff, not show-offy. I didn't want to bring attention to the art. I wanted just to, to look super grounded so you're invested just in the story. And so when the horror happens in it, it really pops, you know, because it'll just be mundane and you won't, it's a lot of, you know, it, it's uh, about the hunt for a serial killer from a disgraced ex-FBI agent. So there's a lot of offices or hotel rooms and stuff. So mundane settings until, you know, the horror really kicks in and then it gets very visceral, like I mentioned before. And you read it, I mean... It gets gnarly. And so I wanted those uh, sections to really pop, the gnarly sections. So when it, it goes, it goes hard. What other things are you working on these days? Right now, we're just doing Elvira. It's, uh, it went from a miniseries, uh, and the sales were so good, it's turned into a, an ongoing. So for the time being, that's what me and uh, David are going to be up to, and I couldn't be happier. Issue 5 is about to come out. And it starts the second story arc where uh, Elvira goes to hell. And that, that's obviously been a blast drawing, too. So I'm excited for everyone to see that. Have you ever met Elvira before? Not yet, no. David lives in L.A., so every time she does a signing or goes to a con, he gets to pop in and say, hey, you know. Uh, but I haven't got to meet her yet. She's involved in uh, the comic at every level. She approves the scripts. The covers, the art, everything. So, um, and she even punches up the jokes sometimes, which is cool. Yeah, so she's been super involved, uh, but yeah, one day. Has there been any sort of feedback that she's given to you in regards to like the artwork or anything? No, she's been happy with everything. It's only been suggesting jokes, really. Just trying to like, you know, I think David does a really good job of capturing the character's voice and having the actual Elvira punch up the jokes for you is like even better yeah that's awesome that's that's why i really enjoyed about it i'm like oh this is elvira it's her, like yeah. it, it, it is her you know yeah and she still looks so good at it you know right. she's like 69 years old and still just i'm telling you man you could adapt this into the next elvira movie it'd be fine she'd do a great job right, right. It, it's a very fun comic book she's still out there has total full line of different things and merchandise and everything so it's like she's always been uh, a kind of hero of mine because she 
owns the Elvira character. She was savvy enough back in the 80s to get the rights to it, you know, and so she's the boss. What is it about the Elvira character do you feel like is still very, like, people still love it to this day? It's just, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's not serious, um, you know, and uh, it's just good-humored and uh, slightly deranged, which I think appeals to a lot of people like myself. <laughs> right, right, right. Is there any, you know, final thoughts you want to give about, you know, the convention or anything you're working on? Um, no, I love C2E2. I love Chicago. Um, I try to do the con every time I can. Uh, and if anyone's interested, they can go to my website to see more artwork at, uh, it's just DaveDrawsGood.com. So that was my interview with Dave Acosta. Like always, you can go to the show notes for this episode at freshofthepodcast.com to get more information about where you can follow Dave Acosta online. All right, that's been all the interviews that I did at the C2E2 convention, but I did talk to a lot of other people, and we're gonna, and I've already made plans with uh, certain people to be on the podcast in the future. So there's also so much good content coming up on Fresh as the Word. So thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.